Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Chris Geis, and this is episode 12, recorded on Tuesday, May 28th, 2019. The title of this episode is A Chat with Justin Edson from Jed's Moto. Justin and I know each other as listeners of some other podcasts. We start out talking about a motorcycling buddy he lost recently, and then we get into what Jed's Moto does and Justin's experience riding and wrenching on motorcycles. So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place, because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. I'd like to read a listener email from Renato Pirek. Renato, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. He actually wrote in back in March after listening to episode two, To Gear or Not to Gear. Renato is in the U.S. Army and, as far as I know, is still on deployment in Afghanistan. And here's what he said in his email. I'm listening to the second episode now. The podcast is good so far, good volume, good pace. I like the format. 45 minutes to an hour is a perfect length for it. Being in the Army means that every time I get on a bike, I must have a helmet, gloves, long sleeve pants, and a jacket, plus shoes above the ankles. It's different for us. We can't just ride with a helmet. TRICARE will actually deny health insurance coverage if we are in a motorcycle accident not wearing proper gear. I always have a good full-face helmet and gloves when I ride. Boots for me is either army leather boots or motorcycle boots. If I'm riding for fun, I have motorcycle pants and jacket, but when commuting, I wear army uniform, which of course is less safe, but more convenient for me. It's all about risk mitigation and personal risk level acceptance. My preference is to ride at GAT, all the gear, all the time. So Renato, thank you very much for writing in. Sorry it's taken me so long to, to read this on the show, uh, but I, I guess better late than never. And uh, thank you for your service too. That That's awesome that you're serving in the army. Uh, maybe sometime I'll get a chance to talk to you in more detail and you know find out more about how long you've been in the armed services and some of the things you've experienced and whatnot, and, and maybe even a little bit about uh, your motorcycling background. So again, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, please feel free to write in again in the future. So be well and stay safe. Before we get into the actual episode, I just have some news I wanted to share. So this past Memorial Day weekend, I was at the New Jersey Motorsports Park for the 7th Annual ARMA Vintage Motorcycle Festival and Swap Meet. So ARMA stands for the American Historic Racing Motorcycle Association. It uh, was really cool. had a really, really great weekend. I'm actually going to be doing uh, an upcoming episode where I'll, I'll talk more about it. Um, I'll, I'll spare the details right now. But Gene and I went down together um, just because of how things worked out. Uh, I, I rode my motorcycle down the Z900RS, and she followed me down in a car. Uh, she didn't stay down there as long as I did. Um, and so I had like a it was about 334 mile round trip, which was really good. I mean, a lot of it was on the you know New Jersey Turnpike, which isn't the most scenic or exciting road, but uh, still, it's always good to get out on the bike. But we had both had a really good time. 
um, I had an opportunity to meet Steve Wittick, who was a big help in, in arranging to help get me down there. He's the uh, field rep for VJ, VJMC of South Jersey. VJMC is the Vintage Japanese Motorcycle Club of North America. And Gene and I also got a chance to meet in person Shauna Sanderson and her husband, Eugene. Uh, as you know from a prior episode, if you've listened, Shauna is one of the admins for the Women Riders World Relay, and Eugene is the guy that did, did the work on putting the batons together and just in general kind of has been supporting Shauna and, and helping with the family, with their kids and stuff to help free up some of her time so she can uh, you know, do her admin duties for, for Werwer. So it was great meeting them. We got to hang out with them. They had like a campsite set up, and uh, every every year that they're down there, you know, they do movie nights. You know, so they they play old motorcycle movies. So we got to hang out with them and some of their friends. You know, really really cool people. Had a great great time. So definitely, I definitely want to go again next year. I think Gina will probably join me, and I'm hoping to get more people to go. I know they said that every year, kind of more and more people, you know, show up and become part of the group. So that is really cool. Um, and it was good too because I got back just in time to finish up for the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, which I'll get to in a minute. Uh, so the, the most recent news on Werwer. So the Bataan is currently in Romania, and they're on day 94 of the rally. So that's really cool. So for any of you who's uh, interested in Werwer and following that, you know, you can check the links in the, the show notes and refer to past episodes. You know, you can check out the Werewer website and they're on Facebook if you want to track the progress and see what's going on. It's really amazing what these women are doing, the, the riding that they're doing. And I saw just recently that the, the women riding up in Scandinavia, like it was Norway and Finland and Sweden, in many cases, you know, there still was snow up there and stuff, I guess, in the very northern part. So they're riding in the snow and in the cold. And so, uh, yeah, they're, they're really doing it. So it's really, really cool to see. And then finally, just briefly, I'll just mention. So the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge that I talked about also in a prior episode concluded as of last night. So at the end of three weeks, um, it was uh, the, the outcome was really close. So the, the Loud Pipes podcast won the the, the uh podcaster team challenge and then uh, second place was tied between throttle podcast where i'm a co-host and the creative writing podcast which is uh, based out in california and uh, then there was uh, i think five five teams in total so it was just a lot a lot of fun i mean we were i think three points behind loud point loud pipes you know it was i don't know exactly it was like 200 points or so and we were three three points behind that but uh, had a really really good time so you know check that out um, I, I will be participating in the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge next year under my own podcast, you know, this podcast. So I'll be looking to put a team together. So if any of you listeners would be interested, let me know. You know, it's, it's a year away, so there's plenty of time to plan and whatnot. But I certainly would be happy to answer any questions you have about it. The rules probably change at least a little bit for next year, so it won't be exactly the same, and I won't know exactly how things are going to go. But uh, as it gets closer to that time, I will update you. You know, I'll let you know of any rules changes I hear about. But a lot, a lot of fun, awesome, awesome people. It's just funny, funny stuff to see the the pictures of people's motorcycles and the videos they posted, and, and everyone just had a great sense of humor, and just was a lot of fun. So definitely recommend that you check that out. And so without further ado, well, actually, with further ado. So I just wanted to say thank you again to everyone who has written in to me. If you haven't already, please drop me an email or fill out the contact form on my website or message me in Facebook and let me know that you're out there and, and anything you want to let me know about the show. So you can always email me at so you want to ride at yahoo.com. 
or you can use the link in the podcast notes to my website where you'll find all of my contact details. And before we get into the episode, there's just a couple terms I wanted to clear up just for for new riders, people who may not, or people who may not be familiar with these terms. So one of the things Justin and I talked about is called a tank slapper. And basically what that refers to is a situation where there's some kind of oscillation in the handlebars, you know, the, the front wheel and the handlebars. And it can happen for a variety of reasons. But basically what happens is while you're moving, the, the handlebars and the front wheel turn back and forth from side to side, and it can be in a, in a fairly violent fashion, but it, it kind of oscillates back and forth. And often it will go kind of lock to lock. So the, the steering wheel will go as hard over as it can, and then it'll come back in the other direction as hard over as it can. And if the, the turning radius allows, and depending on the setup, and if you have non-stock handlebars or whatever, the, the, the ends of the handlebars can actually hit the tank, and that's where the, the term tank slapper comes from. So you'll, you'll see these. You know, If you're interested, search on YouTube just for tank slapper, you know, motorcycle tank slapper, and, and you'll see these things. Uh, like I said, they can be pretty violent. I've never experienced one, but, but Justin has, and that's why we were talking about it. Um, and it's definitely something you want to be aware of, not, not to scare you, because it's not something that necessarily happens often and it's kind of under unusual circumstances and often if either something about the motorcycle has been modified or you know the person is really pushing things on the motorcycle you know it's not like something that's just going to happen just out of the blue for no reason but something to be aware of Uh, and so we also talked about a steering damper which is a device that kind of looks a little bit like a a strut like you might see on the rear tailgate of an suv or like for a a window that flips up or you know even you know the kind of thing that you have to to hold up the hood of your car not as big obviously but it's a device kind of like a it's like a strut or like a like a shock absorber. It has this damping function so that it connects some part of the frame of the motorcycle to the handlebars so that the handlebars can't have this kind of violent back and forth quick oscillation that the the the, the, the damper slows down that motion and so it either eliminates the possibility of a tank slapper or, you know, minimizes it if it if it should occur. So anyway, just want to make sure you understood what those things are before they're mentioned in the episode. So now here we go with episode 12. So I have a very special guest tonight calling in all the way from Brandon, Vermont, is Justin Edson from Jed's Moto. How's it going, man? It's going well, Chris. How's it going with you, my friend? It is going good. Weather's been pretty good for riding and whatnot. So yeah, it's it's, it's been really nice. So uh, I've I've been wanting to do this ever since we first talked about it. and now, I mean, you and I first got to know each other through the Cafe Racer podcast, right? On the, the Slack channel there. Correct, old man Slacker. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then and then more recently, um, I don't know, a couple of months ago was it, you joined up with uh, Loud Pipes, right, in their Slack channel. And so we've kind of had a chance to discuss some other things there. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when when it was going through what we call the white hell up in Vermont, I uh joined loud pipes just because i was looking for some more podcast media yeah 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 yeah. cool so uh how's the weather up there now uh pouring rain okay cold not too cold uh 53 54 okay gotcha that's not too bad no Uh, you uh you uh drinking anything to help keep you warm uh yes sir i am drinking uh the alchemist's heady topper nice yep so cool cool 
cool. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got my usual uh, wild turkey American honey, but this mm. is this is the sting version. So this has uh, it's like infused with ghost pepper, so it's got a little bit of a bite to it. Ooh, so, yeah. So good stuff. Cheers to you, friend. Cheers, my friend. <sighs> which uh, which actually brings me kind of to the first uh, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about, and that is um, you. So you had a, a biker buddy that you lost. Not too long ago, right, Jack yes. Daly? Yes, sir. So, um, you know, I I never met him. Um, you and I have never met in person, but you know, I think I've gotten to know you pretty good. Just the interactions we've had, you know, social media and through the Slack channels and whatever. And so, I, I just saw some of the things you posted about Jack, like on your Facebook page and whatever. And I'm like, okay, if a good dude has that many good things to say about another dude, he must have been a really good dude. <laughs> yeah. So. Yep. Uh, so, you know, you and I talked just before we started recording, so definitely I would I would like to dedicate, you know, this episode of the podcast to Jack Daly. So, cheers. Cheers to Jack. Yeah, absolutely. And uh maybe uh maybe start off if you want to just, you know, tell me a little bit about him. Like I know you guys were riding buddies for quite a while, right? Yeah, so uh so Jack and I are uh definitely we're cut from the same cloth. Um we would usually have this running bet of who would pull the motorcycle out first. And (laughs) (laughs) right. And our, our running joke was, uh, the best time to ride is, you know, February, March, because there's no novices on the road. So (laughs) yeah, no bugs. Only, only flies you're dealing with are the ones, uh, the snow flies. Right. So, um, uh, he was, uh, an exceptional cat. Uh, not only, a a great motorcyclist, he was, you know, being exceptionally skilled, he uh, was just an incredibly kind human being. Uh, he just lived life, you know, if he wanted to make sure that he didn't have any hardship on anyone. And he uh, was just an awesome, positive guy. And uh, I'm going to miss him a lot. We used to just come over and he'd come over. Either we go riding or we do a tech day or, you know, something silly as changing tires or doing a chain and sprockets or valve adjustment. It was just a really good time, and he's going to be very much missed because him and I were really, really close. So. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. How how long do you guys know each other? Uh, we've known each other for uh, f- about as long as I've been with the college, which has been about five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our our re- friendship really blossomed in the last three years. So I was really fortunate to know him in the tail end of things, yeah. uh, and. He, I mean, him and I were pretty much confidants. It was by the tail end of it, we were doing everything together. Uh, when the when I had issues with my Triumph, he was there riding with me in the truck, dropping the bike off, or riding with me in the truck to pick it up and giving me crap about my British Harley the whole time. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's fine. Hey, that's fine, right? It's like just having fun with it. It's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and basically, he had an illness, right? That's how he you so- you, you lost his illness. Uh, uh, Jack, no, he actually, uh, suffered from, um, uh, a brain aneurysm and, uh, it, it just knocked him out and it was pretty fast. It was a fast process. So, wow. yeah, he was, I talked to him, I was down in Florida for Daytona <clears throat> and, uh, he was like, oh yeah, Jeds keep, keep pumping out the videos on, on your channel and keep, keep posting us on Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm living vicariously through you, you know, cause obviously it's snowing up in vermont and i'm down in florida riding i'm like yeah jack no problem and I'm, he's calling we're talking to each other and then one day he just stopped calling and he was in the hospital and 
that rest is history, I guess. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> but I mean, at least it wasn't, I mean, you never want to lose somebody. I mean, that, that always sucks, but at least it wasn't like a prolonged, you know, sometimes you hear whatever, like people have different things, you know, they're battling cancer or something like that. And it's just like a on and on struggle. I mean, that, yeah. that always, that, that I think that's kind of the worst kind of thing. Right. He, he, he went down on his feet and I, I, yeah. I have to say that that's the way to go. If I'm going to go, that's the way I want to go too. So I hear you, brother. I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's really cool. You have, a. Uh, any idea how many miles you guys rode together? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. Oh, uh, probably pushing 10,000 miles. Oh, wow. Five, 10,000, somewhere okay. in there. I mean, we used to go riding together after work. Um, you were like, hey, want to do a pickup ride? Let's go to the Canadian border. And we'd just go right up to the Canadian border just for the hell of it. And then, you know, that's like two and a half hours away. And then sure. come back home <laughs> and, you know, show up at nine, ten o'clock at night and then go to work the next morning. Nice. So, yeah. We, we, he was my pickup buddy. You know, we would just go pickup riding all the time. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the things I love about, about the sport, you know, and I've been riding for about three years now. And it's actually interesting. I mean, you guys rode more miles together than, than I've ridden since I started. You know, <laughs> I think, I think I've ridden, it's going on 8,000 miles or something like that, which has all been awesome miles, you know, no, no. Oh, complaints. Yeah. Yeah, but it it just I just love the stories about the people you meet doing this. It's just a special crowd of people. You know, mm-hmm. I was down at the the Vintage Motorcycle Festival and races down. At, I was telling you Southern New Jersey this past weekend, and that was awesome. Just a cool bunch of people. Just everyone. They're just they're just friendly. They love bikes. They want to talk bikes. They you know they want to talk about life and living life and you know mm-hmm. living it to its fullest. And they'll help you with anything. They'll give you the shirt off their back. It's just like a good bunch of people. So. Yep. And that was that was Jack to a T, my friend. That was yeah, Jack to a T. That's awesome. So you're you're very fortunate to have to have known him. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so before before we move on, anything just else you wanted to mention about him? Uh, you know, just uh, it's amazing the brotherhood that you get when you're a motorcyclist. And I, I'm going to say Jack was a motorcyclist through and through. Uh, not only did he just ride his machines until they didn't run, but he knew how to fix anything and everything on them. And uh, he had a great group of people. Uh, when he passed, I met some phenomenal folks. And I'm just like really blessed to know that I knew someone that was just so influential in a positive way on so many other bike bikers, motorcyclists. Yeah. And um, I mean, I just hope I leave a legacy like that when I go like, that's oh. all I got to say. He was that awesome of a guy. That is really cool. Well, from, from what I know about you, it sounds like you have that well underway already. So I not, hope so. <laughs> not that we, we don't want you to go anywhere anytime soon. So, you know, ha- hang in there. Like, I, what, do, what, do you, what are you thinking? Eighties, nineties, where, where do you see? Yourself? Yeah. yeah I, I, <laughs> I hope I last at least a few more decades. I hope. <laughs> all right, all right now, ch- cheers to that man <laughs> cheers to that my friend <laughs> yeah it, it's just funny because in, in one of the episodes prior episodes i had done you know i had talked briefly about how when i was a kid i always saw myself living to be at least 100 years old and I, for no particular reason it just was like seemed like i don't know the right number or something and then as i got older into like my 40s late 40s i started feeling my age and i didn't feel that anymore i was like oh man something this is not good something's wrong and you know, that's when I decided, okay, you know, I actually 
first got into motorcycling and I was like, okay, I, I got to start getting myself into better shape, you know, so I lost some weight. Now I want to kind of do what, what you do because you do a lot of bicycling too. And I know you've got like the mm-hmm. e-bike and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later, but definitely I, I used to do a ton of bicycling, you know, before e-bikes were around, but you know, road riding and mountain biking and all that kind of stuff. I really want to get back into that because I don't know for sure. I find the better shape I'm in physically, just the more I enjoy my motorcycling. You know, yeah, and, and particularly like you, you look at what you know, top level riders like in racing and stuff, what they do. I mean, those guys are phenomenal athletes. Um, oh, yeah, you know, and that, that's why they're able to do the things they do on their bikes, not just to control them, but sometimes you see these phenomenal saves, like Mark, you know, Mark Marquez in particular. You know, it's like they're, they're in a situation you think they're going to wreck, and somehow they keep the bike going, right? It's just you know, all, I, yeah, good. It's just all science, Chris, you know, like when you use your muscles and you use your legs and you use your balance and you're on a bicycle and you apply that to a bicycle with an engine and a gas tank and two wheels, you know, it's amazing the correlation between the two things. Yeah. And then you have that much more strength. And not only do you know the bike better, but you also know your body better. Sure. So. No, that's a that's a really good point. I remember, I don't remember, I think it was last season. I remember what race it was, but Marquez looked like he was going to low side. Like he, he was like on, it looked Mm -hmm. like he was on the side of the bike sliding. And I don't know if he just did it with his muscles. It was like he used his leg and his, and his elbow and he just pushed himself back up on the bike and he just got traction (laughs) and kept going. It's like, this is phenomenal stuff, you know? Right. So. (laughs) Those guys amaze so, me anyways. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, is there any particular, like most of the people I have on, you know, they have a also known as. So do you have any like biker nickname you go by? Is it just, I know like you go by Jed's like in the Slack channel and stuff. That's that's me usually. I mean, um, you know, I'm kind of the, the underdog, you know, I'm the guy behind the line kind of guy. So, yeah, it's always been Jed's, Jed's, Justin. You know, okay. Cool. Edson. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I've been told that by my best friends, but hey, that's, that's whatever. <laughs> what, what, whatever works, and that's that's yeah. a funny thing too, right? You don't pick the nickname, like you, you know, it gets no. it gets assigned <laughs> to you, and then that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm getting to the point where I'm meeting people, and they don't know what my real name is. They're like Jeds. Yep. Well, that's your name the... is Jeds, and I'm like, you're telling your wife my name is Jeds. My right. name is not Jeds. <laughs> but. <laughs> No, you know, I mean, for the longest time, that's how I knew you because we first met, you know, in Slack channel for uh, right. Cafe Razor po- Cafe Razor podcast, and then I don't know. I guess we hooked up on Facebook, and I don't remember exactly how that came about. Maybe I don't know if you sent me a friend request or I sent you. Like it, rec- it recognized we knew common people, and I was like, oh, okay, that's the oh the guy's name isn't Jed's. Oh, it's Justin. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's cool. So, uh, I know. I know you've got a ton of experience. I mean, it, it's pretty cool. I know some of the things you've talked about, like the different motorcycles you've had and the miles that you do and stuff. But how how long have you been riding now? Uh, this will be my 13th season. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so I started when I was 22. Okay. Cool. So I'm 35 now. Gotcha. So so like <laughs> like you mentioned before, so you're in that millennial age bracket. I technically that, am a millennial. Yes. That, that all us old people are so worried about, like, oh, yeah. you know, the millennials, and what are they going to do to keep the sport alive? And yeah. <laughs> it all depends <laughs> on them. Us <laughs> irresponsible young folk. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't worry. Yeah. The future's oh. in good hands. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. And that—that's that, why I thought it'd be cool to talk to you tonight too, just like with all the different things that you're, you know, you're working on. So, you ride. 
I mean, I know you write a lot, right? In fact, um, what's one of your slogans, right, for for Jed's motto, which we'll talk about in a second, is something like, "Is it live to ride?" Motorcycles are life. Motorcycles are life. Or okay. riding is life. Yeah. Okay, which which is really cool. Like I, I totally, it, it, you know, it took me fifty three years to discover that, but I, I totally, yeah, I totally hey, get better it. late than never, but hey, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> While I can throw a leg over and I don't need to, right? Know, not that there's anything wrong, you know. Hey, like I said in the last episode, you know, I plan to ride until I can't throw a leg over, and then I'm gonna find something else. You know, it's gonna be a spider or a trike or whatever. You know, I, I definitely right. see myself riding until I just can't do it anymore. So, yeah, there's nothing like or there's nothing more oh. organic than riding a motorcycle, I'd say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll make up the years eventually, <laughs> especially if I make it to 100. Right. I'll get I'll get my right. 50 years. In. There you this, go, dude. This, this, this <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. um, So when you got started, what, what was your first bike? Uh, so that, you know, uh, so. Back in the before time of the long, long ago, when I was like an early 20-something guy, uh, I was very much, before I got into the motorcycling, I was into cars, you know. Um, I graduated in 2002 in high school, so Fast and the Furious was out, and I was into cars, you know, going fast and doing drag racing and such like that. And I realized that it's really, really expensive. And... um and I was living, I was a kitchen, I've always been in the kitchen restaurant business my whole life. And, uh, so I was like, you know what? I, I miss bicycling and I got this Honda C70 passport for 40 bucks. And I thought, well, you know, it's a moped. I don't need a license. Well, apparently you need a, pa- a license cause it's not a moped. 50 CC oh. or there is a moped. Okay. The passport was 70 CC and up. Right. So, um, you know, that's basically how I got into writing was I got the passport and I liked it and I got a moped. I got a Tomos Arrow. And then I was like, you know what? I really want to go far. Like my buddy's like, oh, we're going to Maine. We're going to take the motorcycles. And I'm like, oh, I'll just get a, another scooter or something. And I ended up getting a, a Yamaha Riva 200. Mm-hmm. And yeah, basically the rest is history. I rode that for about a, about a year. And then I went to bikes after that. Nice, so. nice, nice. So you've had, well, what, t- tell tell me about some of the motorcycles you've had because I know. Did you have Did you have a Busa for a while? Uh, no, no. Okay. I, I had a naked Busa. I had a B King. Okay. So so I, I was contemplative. I was contemplative before this, and I really wanted to give you a number. I've owned, registered, and rented forty seven, forty six motorcycles. Wow, riding. Nice. So, um, but that's a, that's a good collection. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's how you really know what you like and don't like, right, Chris? Like, that's how you figure I, it out. I, I am. I'm all for it, yeah. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I've had everything from classic bikes to modern bikes, small bikes, big bikes, hyper bikes. So, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I started out with uh, Suzuki GS750. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a 1981. I bought it for 500 bucks. And, uh, it didn't work right. The electrics were completely shot and I just used my know-how to fix it. I learned about everything on that bike, like how to do valves, how to do clutches, how to do heads, do the, how to do, uh, gaskets, how to do oil pumps, everything. I've mm-hmm. done everything on that bike just mm-hmm. because it was $500 bike that I had to keep on the road. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Cool, cool. So you've, I mean, you've pretty much been wrenching on bikes since you started. Sounds like. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, that was kind of, that's kind of my mo is just um, if I can't trust my own work and ride it, then how can I justifiably buy something and sell it? So, um, basically, that's why I've registered so many machines is that I want to be able to ride them for experience sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, be like, oh yeah, you know, uh, that Yamaha FZ6, I really like it, but it kind of lacks low end power. So I'm going to sell it, although it runs good. And then right. I'll pick up this, you know, Kawasaki Z- KZ1000. Well, it's a great bike, but man, is it top heavy? And, you know, it's kind of a bear to move around. So, but I do all that work on these bikes so I can get the experience, but then I'm kind of sharing that to someone else by kind of sharing the value. I'm not really making all that much money by flipping these things. So, right. Okay. But I'm, I mean, I'm guessing you make enough that it's not out of, it's not costing too much out of pocket to do all the repairs and stuff. I if I don't uh, break even, I did something wrong. So I, okay. I mean, that's basically my mo. If I can yeah. break even or maybe get a couple hundred bucks in my mm-hmm. pocket afterwards, then I did something right. And then the guy that I sold the bike to is a friend of mine or someone I keep in touch with for a long time. Right. So that's awesome. So, so you, you take a bike, you get what you want out of it and the experience and learn the bike, you mm-hmm. sort it out, get it in good shape, sell it to somebody. They've got a great bike and then you, you just move on to the next. Right. Yeah. 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 Cool. What, what's the most number of bikes you've had at, at a given time? Oh, Oh God. Probably about six. Okay. That's a six. nice, that's a nice stable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, right now, uh, my legal, legal bike number is two, um, which is the lowest it's been in a long time. But as I've gotten older and more mature, I've realized that like, you can only ride so many motorcycles at once. Right. And you've always got a preference of one. Like I've always had your bit, you always have your daily rider. You're like, you're, you're, you know, um, your Z1000, you know, one RS, you're, it's your daily bike. You, or, you know, it's your primary bike. You ride that most often. Like me, that's my Triumph Bonneville T120 right now. Right. And then you have the secondary bike and then you have a third bike. And then it's like you put the bulk of the miles on the Bane bike and then you only have a fraction of the time left for the others. The other bikes. Right. Right. No, I mean, I, I get that. I mean, and it's interesting, you know, having six at a time. I mean, I've got enough here with three, you know, two of mine, one is Gina's. Mm-hmm. We've got, it's basically a one car garage that we store them in with lots of stuff, you know, that has nothing to do with motorcycles, you know, right, right. tools and whatever, you know, whatever stuff you store in a garage. Um, but yeah, I mean, just having three gets to be a, a, a bit of a, a bear. And then, Yes. I mean, you know, I've got the Vulcan S and I've got the Z 900 RS, which that's definitely my preferred bike. I love the Vulcan S, you know, and when I take it out, I really enjoy riding it, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it is, you know, I've got my bike. I ride most of the time. And then when I start feeling guilty, like the Vulcan S hasn't, you know, hasn't had some motion, keep the fluids (laughs) going, then it's like time to take that one out. So yeah, what you're saying totally makes sense. Although I have to admit I've, you know, in the back of my my head i have this fantasy oh you know i want to have like 10 bikes in the garage and i can just pick you know on a given day which one i want to ride you know and i want to have one of these and one of those and one of those but maybe really it's just not all that practical and and maybe the way you're doing it just makes more sense which is you take a bike you ride the heck out of it you enjoy it you get what you can get and then hey it's time for something different Mm -hmm. yeah and that and that's the other thing is you know i'll pick up a bike and if i'm gonna with the intent to flip it i'll get it to good riding condition 
I'll ride it. I'll ride the hell out of it. Make sure it's in good good condition, and then I'll let it go for a reasonable price. I've never tried to overcharge anyone on a bike. I just I just would rather see someone on a reliable bike and find the love of motorcycling. Yeah, and that makes my day. I'm like, you know what? All right, at the end of the day, I made me made two hundred bucks. Right, right. Oh, you know what? It was worth it. And so that that kind of comes down to what it sounds like sort of was is your mission with Jed's Moto. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so how did that come about? Like, how did, how did you start that? And so Jed's moto is technically my LLC. I had to get a dealer license because I was flipping so many bikes. Okay. One year I sold six motorcycles or seven motorcycles and the state of Vermont alerted me that I was in, I was selling motorcycles in uh, at a rate at a dealer would sell a motorcycle and I would have to t- get taxed for that income. Uh. So Jed's Moto was born, and it was just kind of like, all right, I'll have the LLC, and then I'll tax what I sell as income, and that was it. But And then I kind of did the whole social media aspect so that I had some kind of advertising base, and but the... It, the rest is history, I guess, because Jed's Moto is turning into something different that I've that I didn't anticipate. Okay. So, so what what has it kind of morphed into? So it's really turned into like uh, kind of a social media platform. Never did I ever think I would have over five hundred subscribers on YouTube, and now I have like six hundred and fifty subscribers on YouTube. That's awesome. And, and it just was purely, I started it purely for advertising purposes. And now people are actually asking me about videos. Um, and I'm really receptive to my followers. So if they have a, any questions, I try to re- email them or get back to them as soon as I can. But it's really turned into almost like a conversation forum, which is also a really cool thing I, I wasn't really planning on. Mm-hmm. Is people will watch my videos, have questions, and I deliver them answers. Or they'll have uh comments sometimes they're not always the best especially the harley videos that i have but (laughs) you know i mean it it's engaging people and they're talking about their passion or they're talking about their you know motorcycling which is just what we all love to do so i can't really complain about it and like i said it's just it's weird how it's kind of taken off in that regard that's awesome so So, so what basically started as a way for you to advertise the bikes that you were making available for sale right mm-hmm. it, it's it's evolved into something a little different i guess where because you're, you're doing kind of like I, I don't know would you call them like how-to videos and things like i know you did one on setting up suspension or something right just yeah. just recently so i guess you're getting kind of requests from people like hey you know i'd like to learn about this or i'd like to see this kind of thing right and yeah. i mean and and i think what what did it what did it was when i got the uh harley davidson street rod 750 i started posting videos because no one else had the bike so i was like oh yeah i'll just pump out videos and people were watching them and unfortunately for harley when i started to put the miles on because i ride a lot of miles the bike just wasn't keeping up yep (laughs) so so you know yeah it's like you see the subscriber base drop and then they're kind of coming back since i've been with triumph so yeah it's interesting definitely interesting gotcha that's cool yeah it's interesting you mentioned like the negative comments i I think you listened to the episode i did with uh, fast eddie from moto jitsu and Mm -hmm. i just like the point that he made that you know just like anyone he gets his share of negative comments and you know it sounds like one of the things he 
learned or kind of transitioned on is instead of trying to handle the negativity or, you know, trying to argue with people, he's just like, okay, just acknowledge what they're saying and just kind of make his point. And it's just interesting that he said in many cases, if you're persistent with that, you know, just be polite and just, Hey, whatever that eventually a lot of these people just turn around and the people who were critics are then like, Oh wow. Like, this guy's actually interested in me and helping me and helping people. Uh, and then they're like a subscriber or something like that. So right. it, it's just, it's just an interesting, I think, lesson about life, you know, and dealing with people, which right. is kind of, which is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Fat, fast that he's got an interesting story. I, I enjoyed that, uh, that podcast that you had yeah, and cool. I've been following, following his what YouTube channel now. Oh, awesome. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. He's got some good stuff. So, um, so let's let's uh, let's talk triumph. So so like you <laughs> mentioned, so you've got the Bonneville T one twenty now. Did uh you you bought that new right? Yeah. yeah. So this goes. This is a shout out to well, my I would call him my the brother that I never my old the older brother I never had because I'm the oldest child uh, to, to Scotty Amen from Amen Moto, okay. and um so I always. I met Scotty Amen on the TU250 forum because we both have TU250Xs. I don't know if you know what that is, but those are the little motorcycles you ride on at the MSF forum Mm -hmm. or the MSF class. And uh, I bought one because it's a phenomenal motorcycle. I'm an experienced rider, and I just absolutely love riding it. And um, and we befriended each other uh, (laughs) through social media. Kind of like how your you and our relationship has developed, Chris. Yeah. Yep. And um, so I went down to Daytona two years ago, Daytona Beach for Bake Bike Week, and I rode the Harley Davidson XR twelve hundred Sportster that I had down there. And what ended up happening was uh, I met up with Scotty. He rides a T one twenty, a Bonneville. Okay. and uh kind of caught the bug from him so it's all his fault <laughs> that okay, i cool. that oh, I'm well. on triumphs it's, <laughs> it's all scotty's fault all right. scotty's fault we'll blame him I'll, I'll make sure i put that in the it's show notes. jack wagon fault <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah so yeah, that's interesting that's an interesting thing um so how uh you know so how how would you characterize this bike now like compared to other bikes you've had like how does it how does it fit into the mix okay so i mean the my primary motorcycles was a gs 750 which i put about sixty thousand miles on my bandit 1200 which now special case at special case customs owns Mm -hmm. it's about i think he's got eighty nine thousand miles on it wow and then uh my fz1 which had seventy thousand miles so as you can kind of tell i'm ridden Japanese standard motorcycles for a very long time. Um, I bought a Concourse 14. It was in a little flux. I wanted just a motorcycle. I wanted something like the Bandit. I wanted something like the GS. You know, something simple. Kind of like the Z900 RS. Right. And I was actually on the market for a Z900 RS. And then, like I said, I rode the T120. And Chris, it's just got everything that I'm looking for in a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. It's a naked bike. It's a it the two cylinder I was like not sold on because I've always been a four banger guy. Right. But it's got so much low end power and mid range power and it's got cruise control. Mm, it's just nice. nice. <laughs> it's just a touring machine. That thing is just awesome. Like I, I uh, 
uh, I was on a, uh, a Slack hangout the other day, and I, I w- I've had the bike for a year, and I've put 31,000 miles on it. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's awesome. So, so all right. So, so we, we almost had you. We almost had okay. you with the C900RS, right? Almost had you. Almost, but, buddy. But, almost. but no, I, I get it. And especially like this, this trip I just did this past weekend down to southern Jersey and back, that's probably my only, I don't know if you should say it's a criticism, but the, the definite thing missing from that bike is cruise control. If I had cruise control, that'd probably be Dude, perfect. Cruise, you know? cruise control's the bee's knees. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, and I've got like one of those little wonky, you know, throttle lock throttle kind of locks. Deals, which it like it kind of works and it's good enough. You know, the hand, whatever, goes a little numb and you kind of lock it and just, you know, whatever. I can shake out my hand for a, a mile or so. But uh, yeah, I, I could definitely see the beauty of cruise control. Yeah, you just set it, relax, yeah, laid back. I, <laughs> so sounds sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And no, I think Triumph did a, a really great job with that bike. And, um, it's a beautiful bike. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah it, it's it, it it has that old school that old school refinement. Um, there's you know it just has the detail. Like Triumph really did a good job with the finishing touches on it. And when I was looking at it, like I was looking at the Z900 RS, and dude, I was like this close to buying it. <laughs> I was also looking at the Yamaha XSR 900, right? Because I'm a Yamaha head. My the most reliable bike I've ever owned, not saying my favorite, but the most reliable bike I've ever owned was a, a 2001 Yamaha FZ1. That thing never let me down, never died, never broke. Mm-hmm. 70,000 miles, it just ran no matter what happened. But it's made of plastic and it's kind of chintzy. And the XSR 900 in person, kind of chintzy, plasticky. Cheap, yeah, no, I got you. You know? And. I rode that T120. I rode Scotty's T120, and I was just sold, mm-hmm. sold, sold. Cool. How uh, how heavy is that bike? I believe it's like 512 pounds wet. Okay, so that that's not far off from the Z900 RS, which is I no. think a little over five. So it's like comparable that way. And then what what's it got for horsepower? Not a lot. Uh, probably about 80 horsepower. Okay, but still but cool. It's probably got close to. 75 80 foot pounds of torque nice so it's like one-on-one which right. is what trade it's trade-offs man it's like you know it's like well that's that's, that's the interesting thing right. with bikes there's so many choices and it's like you go with this one you get the cruise control you go with that one you get the nice luggage you go you know it's like right which can make make shopping for a bike especially for for new riders i think a little a little intimidating right but just because of so many choices but yeah the last bike i came off of was a concourse 14 nice uh, and that thing i had it i had it piped i had a, a zx14 pipe on it custom tune that thing had 151 wheel horsepower wow but i'm in vermont man it's a 50 mile per hour zone everywhere that it was yeah. just it was just like bringing a bazooka to a knife fight like right, it wasn't right. practical too, at too all frustrating yeah and heavy it's just a big <laughs> machine <laughs> Yeah, so. I know. Um, I don't know if you've gotten to know him at all, but uh, Roger Nobby Tire, you know, Loud Pipe Slack Channel yep. has has a fourteen. Um, it's a nice, nice looking bike. You know, that traditional Kawasaki green. So yeah, yeah, but that's that's a cool ride. But yeah, no, I, I get I get what you're saying. But uh, I, I guess that's probably a pretty comfortable bike for cruising, right? Touring. Which one? The Concourse. Oh yeah, I mean. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. I I've done. Cleveland, Ohio, 
to Albany, New York, which is about 400 miles in four hours and got breakfast. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with no, with it's no, that kind of bike, man. With no, inter- <laughs> with no interception, huh? Luck, no. is, luck is on your side. Yeah, yeah basically. You, <laughs> leave, you leave at four in the morning from Cleveland. No one's on you on 80. Yeah, okay, gotcha. <laughs> Clear sailing? Clear sailing, man. Oh, God, that's funny. <laughs> you get to Catskills, you're like, wow, I guess I'll take the Catskills home. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, that's cool. Now, the um, on the Bonneville, I'm trying to think, was it your bike where you had you had a, a, gear, a gear, you know, transmission issue? Uh, yeah, or, so... Yeah. The Bonneville has not been the most reliable bike, and that's why I said the Yamaha, FZ1 I've owned, was the most reliable bike I've owned. Yeah. Uh, I had a radiator issue at uh, about 3,000 miles. Like It started leaking at the, the mounting tab on the frame, mm-hmm. and I rode that for about <laughs> 3,000 miles with a small weep, yeah. and then they Triumph replaced it, and then... Uh, the last month of my season last year, and that's the thing, it's like I put thirty one thousand miles on this bike. And I didn't ride it for five months in the last year. Wow. It, it the six gear blew. I was cruising in six six gear, had cruise control on, just going fifty five miles an hour, sixty miles an hour, and all of a sudden what sounded like an exhaust leak coming from my foot pegs, I'm like, oh man, my my gaskets are leaking, turned into like a giant uh, like a violent giant shaking from the lower end wow yeah it wasn't good so i blew the output shaft bearings and six gear completely apart and Mm -hmm. luckily the case didn't get ripped apart it didn't grenade on me right i guess is a testament to triumph because i rode the bike down to the deal dealer which was like i don't know 100 miles away or whatever so it held together in the first five gears yeah and they repaired it and replaced it. And Triumph was awesome. Like, they really had their... The, Triumph has been, like, exceptional through the whole thing. Uh, they've had my back. They've supported me. They 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 know how appreciative I am by putting these miles on this bike. Because I don't think there's many owners with a T120 that have more miles than I do. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> they recognize that I put big miles on it. They're like, oh, no, no, no problem. It will do your 20,000-mile service. No problem free of charge That's cool. service they just yeah. did so it was cool cool yeah i mean it, it's it sounds like you've got a good uh rapport with them now right because you just recently was this past weekend you were doing leading demo rides right for for triumph uh yes sir i yeah um i got call. i got the call like on a friday after a uh, thursday afternoon asking if i could do demo rides for them saturday and I'm like, okay, so I'm like, what do you mean demo rides? So like, well, you know, the owners just got back and we'd, we'd really like you to just, we know how much of a Triumph fan you are. We're super pumped that we're, we're your, we're your tri- local Triumph dealer. We just want you to lead the demo rides. And I'm like, sure. And so Saturday I led demo rides all day for the brand new Triumphs. Um, the dealer is CycleWise. So they do Ducati, they do zero they do triumph now and uh it was a lot of fun man uh getting on motorcycles you know getting people excited about riding these new motorcycles and then telling people about how awesome they are i had a couple folks that were like interested in the ducatis and i was like look guys 
what you want? Oh, you like that hyper Motard Ducati? Well, you really got to try that Tiger 800. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Hey, and I get him on. Heck? <laughs> nice. So, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. It, it, it was definitely the pick me up I needed. And, mm-hmm. uh, it was it was just it was just a stellar weekend, man. It's oh, just cool. Yeah. Now now did Triumph have like a demo truck at the dealer or this was just like the dealer inventory that they were demoing? So uh yeah, it was just uh the local dealer inventory. So that that dealer always has um inventory for demos because mm-hmm. they do all the demo events with their own with the inventory there. Okay. So they have they have demo inventory for for these events so nice. they do them like three times a year and i'll, I'll be for this year I'll be leading all those those demo rides oh cool so it'll be pretty cool i'm pretty excited about it it's a lot of fun man it's a lot of fun no it sounds like it. that's awesome so you, you have like your whole orientation orientation stick down now it's like okay guys so here's what you can do here's what you can't do no no yeah. wheelies no stoppies no <laughs> like right you know i've been on enough demo rides now like i kind of know the the thing you know by heart it's like yeah i mean it's vermont so like it's like okay so here we go guys we're going for a ride we're going to go around new haven probably no one knows where new haven vermont is and we're just going to go around new haven we get through the downtown and we're going to have to slow down because there might be a cop there but just follow me and we'll have a good time and basically and i'm leading with a t120 and i am just blasting on these back roads yeah and I mean, the T120 doesn't go too fast. It's not a very fast bike, but it gets the guys comfortable. They were relaxed. I had several folks come up to me and go, I've been to these demo rides before, and I've never felt so comfortable and ready to go on these bikes like ever. And I really appreciate you leading the demo rides. And I, I nice. it's been a lot to me. So and I know, I know the local awesome. roads. So yeah. No, that that that's awesome because that's really important. You know, it's like particularly if 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 there are people who are newer riders, but just in general, like you know, trying out a bike and you know feeling comfortable about the whole thing, so you can really e- experience the bike and get the sense of what it's all about, and just not be hung up on you know the the demo ride itself and staying in formation and you know all that kind of thing. Right, right, or like making sure we're not breaking the speed limit or this right. and that and the other. I mean, we're going through back farm country, so. We don't have much to worry about, so let's sure. just open it up on this stretch or hit this car- corner a little harder. Yeah. So it was right. good. It was a lot of fun, man. Awesome cool. time. Awesome, awesome. Sounds like it. Yeah, a yeah. couple, a bunch of weeks ago, I did uh, demo rides of some Yamahas. It was a Yamaha demo truck out east on Long Island, and <clears throat> that, was, that was a lot of fun, too. And, and I have to say, those guys did a really nice job leading the ride. You know, yeah, yeah. they, they had it. They kept it relatively, you know, to the speed limit. You know, it was, it's mm-hmm. kind of local roads and stuff, but they, they were pretty good about, you know, letting you open up the bike a little bit and really see what it was all about, you know, as much as they could, you know. So I thought did- that, was, that was really cool. Did you ride any of the three cylinders? Uh, yeah, I rode the Nikon. Um, let me think what I ride. I rode the Nikon. I rode an R3, which I guess is a single. And then the... Uh, is it a twin? Okay. Yes, sir. Twin. Yep. And, and then the uh, MT-09. Yeah, three uh, cylinder. Three cylinder, yeah. Which And it's interesting because I'm guessing... you know, I know it may be tuned, mapped it a little bit differently. I'm guessing it's pretty much the same motor in the Nikon and the MT-09, but... The Nikon, it was just a much better experience. I just enjoyed that bike so much more. It seemed um, more. It would seem more planted because of the more weight in the front end. Yeah, I guess. But it, it wasn't even. 
it wasn't so much the handling, it was just something about the configuration. Like the MT-09 felt smaller to me. I don't know, maybe it's a shorter wheelbase or something. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm six foot, so I got some, you know, some leg and whatever. And parts of the motor were poking me in the leg. And it just was, like I, like I said in my review thing, it's like, hey, nothing against anyone that has an MT-09 likes the bike. Totally cool. It's just, it's not a bike for me. I just was, I just... Riding the thing, I'm like, nah, that's that's nice, but that's nah, just not my deal. But the the Nike, and I was surprised. I mean, to me, it rode, you know, not that I have tons of experience riding different bikes, but it it just felt like an ordinary motorcycle to me. Really? Like, you wouldn't, yeah. Like I didn't, you know, it was it was it just didn't feel like just two wheels out front, which I thought was really kind of cool. But you know, definitely well planted. I mean, the thing turned beautifully. It was like, yeah, it was nice to ride. Yeah, so, yeah. So that was kind of cool. That Z900 RS you have is a pretty nice bike. So, oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I, no, I like it. I mean, I, you know, would would I go for the Nike instead? No. Um, and and in fact, it's interesting because right. in the and and I wanna I I posted on YouTube like my after I did the rides, you know, my thoughts about it as I was driving home, and I'm gonna turn it into a podcast episode. But the thing I said about the Nike is I enjoyed riding it. I'd ride it again anytime. Cool bike, but I, you know, I don't get it. Sort of. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I don't, whatever. I'm fine with a two wheel motorcycle. I mean, I think mostly what Yamaha is trying to do with that is kind of develop a new category of my, of, of bike, like a new kind of riding experience. And I know, I don't know if it was motorcycle or motorcyclist magazine or whatever. It was a year or something ago when they did a review of it. They started out by taking the journalists, you know, were out on the Nike, but before they got on the bikes, they took them skiing. And the idea was to like, make this comparison between, you know, parallel skiing and then the Nikon and how you can carve turns because you've got the two wheels out front and the whole thing. So it's kind of interesting. Interesting. Well, every, every time I look at a Nikon, I go, man, that fork seal job is going to totally suck. Yeah. You got, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah, you got, you know, you got uh, four you got 50, fork seals, <laughs> 50% more wheels, a hundred percent more fork. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's going to be a little more maintenance and stuff. And it's, you know, it's not the prettiest looking bike. I mean, it's not bad. Oh. I, I think it's better in person than what I thought when I saw photos and stuff like that. And it, it didn't, it didn't look as clunky in person either. Like when I, when oh, I saw right. photos and stuff, it looked to me just like a transformer. And I was like, wow, this thing looks, looks really cumbersome and clunky. And then back in December, I went to the international motorcycle show in New York city and I sat on the thing and it's like, wow, this really isn't too bad. It felt like a nice manageable bike. And then, you know, test riding. And I was like, okay, I, cool. I get it. You know? And there, there was someone who went on the ride after me and he came back and he bought one. You know, I don't, I forget what he was riding. You know, he's on a two wheel motorcycle. He's like, yep. Yeah, okay. I love this thing. I'm buying one. So I, I guess, you know, it works for some people. Hey, cool. So yeah. Another option, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. So teach his own. I mean, I don't know. it's just the variety is amazing. It's just so cool. So many choices. Yeah, definitely. Now you just have to have time to write them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make time to write them all. Yeah, exactly. So uh, another thing I was going to ask is I know, I, I don't know if it was on Facebook or maybe it was Facebook or Slack channel or something. I saw you had installed a steering damper on your T120. Mm. Yep. Um, was that because you ran into any particular issues or just trying to be preemptive? No, it was, I was running into issues. Okay. So the T120 is a torquey bike. Um, how I have it geared 
uh, while exiting turns, the front end will sometimes come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if you've ever, uh, you got to come up to Vermont, Chris, and you'll understand. But uh, a lot of a lot of the we'll, turns, we'll make it happen. I can't, I can't, <laughs> I, I can't wait. I, you know, I love I love Vermont. I've skied up there. I've never ridden a bike, but yeah, yeah. So thanks, thanks back to Yamaha. Thanks skiing. So you know, you're coming up over a knoll, and uh, you're it's a left hander, and you come up over the knoll, and you have to complete the left hander and throttle out. And as you do, the front end will come up but you're still leaning and you come down and you land it. What was happening was the T120, um, you understand, this motorcycle is a modern classic. They designed the thing to look more retro than it would to perform as a modern bike. And there's certain things that it lacks, and that is front end stability. So once they changed the tires out, they came with front bias tube. Now I'm running radial tubeless. Uh, I was still noticing I was getting an oscillation. So if I was exiting out of a turn, front end would come down. The front would kind of wobble. Okay. Uh, the stabilizer stabilized that. So now I can do those turns, exit. The front end will come up, will come down. I'll I'll land it correctly. And it's just true all the way through. And I can throttle out of the turn. Gotcha. So that's Basically, I know most people that get those stabilizers, they may do it for show or because it looks cool. It really was like, uh, well, I'm loaded. I'm in I'm doing deals gap in North Carolina. I have, you know, 50 pounds worth of clothes and equipment. So obviously my front end's coming off the ground when I'm exiting turns and I'm landing it and I have that oscillation. Yeah. So that's why I did it. Sure it up. Just to stir it up. No, it makes sense. Good idea. Yeah, I, I know. Like some, you know, often people use dampers if they, you know, have problems with tank slappers and stuff. Have you ever had an issue like that on any of your bikes? Uh, yes, I've had. I've experienced tank slappers more times than I count, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Um, probably the first time I had a 1977 Suzuki GS 750, and I was going about 80 miles an hour, probably too fast on the interstate, and uh, the front tire. Uh, disintegrated on me and mm. caused oscill- caused the oscillation or the tank slapper and okay whew, just apply that rear brake and just let the front end just figure it out like just like a cart wheel on a on a grocery cart when you're doing when it does that you just kind of mm-hmm. slow down and just let it figure let itself it out chill. don't don't apply brake just let it figure itself out mm-hmm. and just hope that you have enough straightaway to slow down right so right. okay yeah, I've never experienced one, but I've I've seen some pretty violent videos, YouTube and stuff like that. It looks like it could definitely shake you if you don't know if you've never experienced it before. It's and that's the thing with motorcycling and like if it you know if you if you're new to riding, you know those kind of experiences is all about if you come into those situations, make a straight line, just make a straight line in the road and slow the bike down. And mm-hmm. if your front end is getting wobbly, apply brake to the rear. Apply everything to the rear. That front end is not not to be trusted. Slow the bike down with your rear brake or downshift until that normalizes. Awesome. Right. And then slow down. And then pull off because you're going to have to probably change your pants afterwards. <laughs> if you never experienced it, yes, it scares yes, the yes. ever-living I'm stuff out of you. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. It looks like it. It looks like it. Now, in in that case, you're talking about where that happened. Was that like the was the tire defective, or just was like high on miles? Uh, so it was a a lesson learned. 
Uh, this is a lesson if you buy a used motorcycle to always check the tires, check the dates, mm-hmm. and replace them if they're past date. And I did not do that. And I was like, oh, they look great, you know, because they look great. They were right. Kenda Challengers, I can tell you that much. Okay. And uh, what happened was the the tread of the tire actually cracked across from sidewall to sidewall and then shedded itself. So okay. I went right down to the, the cord. Oh, wow. The okay. bias cord. It was not good. It was not a good situation. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's like what truckers, like what retreads, they call that like delaminating, right? When the, 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 basically the tread just comes flying off the tire. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. It, that's a great, anal- that's a great kind of comparison. Yeah. It's exactly what happened. And I t- that, that's a scary thing. I mean, for, for a different reason, but I, I've, I've, it's one of the things I've thought about riding the motorcycle on interstates and stuff. I've been in a car and seen a retread tire come apart on a truck. And and you just see this big, you know, and on a truck tire, I mean, the rubber tread, it's probably weighs, I don't know, what, 10 pounds, 15 More. pounds, something like yeah. whatever. Yeah. You, know, you see that thing come flying off. You, you do not want to be in the trajectory of that if you're on your motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even in a car, you don't want to be. But Right, yeah. right. So that's why I track the trailers. I'm like, okay, bye. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Best advice is just get around them. Yeah. If you got to get around, if you're, if you're in their wake. Get around them, or just don't hang out next to them because I've that too. I've seen tires explode, and it's like the only experience I can relate to it in the noise and like the com- decompression of the tire, like when it explodes, mm-hmm. is like being having lightning strike, you know, fifteen yards from your bike, right. you know, or twenty yards, uh, and that's happened to me too. It's that same clash of thunder. It's that same mm-hmm. explosion in the tire. It's there's a lot of force there, man. And there's yeah. no car to protect you. There's no cage. You're, you're exposed to it. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing too, is even, um, you know, a couple of the guys like in the Slack channel uh, for, for lab pipes of truck drivers and stuff. And, you know, even just listening to some of the things they've talked about, if they've been on podcast episodes or whatever, it's just, you're just better off. Like just get away from the trucks. Cause they don't, they don't need the hassle either. Right. It's like, right. They, they don't want to have to worry about, especially if they're bikers, it's like, they don't want to have to worry about you on your motorcycle. It's like, just get, get yeah. away from me. Keep, you know, do your thing. Go, go, go. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah. so, yeah. Wild, wild stuff. Cool. Cool. So, um, next question, this may be a, a bit of an odd one. Um, so like I said, I don't know you that well, but you know, I've kind okay. of got a, got a sense of, you know, who you are, kind of what you're about. I, I, I kind of like your philosophy of life. Like you, you seem like the kind of dude that just grabs life by the, the, you know, what's yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that, is that a, a fair way to put it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I live by this Scottish proverb, live life to the fullest. Cause it's a long time dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, that's basically how I live life and motorcycling just, that's just how it is, man. You know, I, um, I'm a motorcyclist. I not only ride every day and I mean, okay, I live in new England. Yeah. So it snows four months of a year, but I'm still putting 30,000 miles on in eight months. So I'm on a motorcycle for about 28, 30 days straight, like 24 hours a day a month straight i'm on a on the saddle of a motorcycle 
And there's no other place I feel more alive than in that saddle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, that's just, I, I go to work, I do my job, I, I really enjoy my job, sure. but it's not like being on that bike and just blasting the open road and seeing the country and just experiencing everything to the fulfillment that you can get on a bike, you know? Yeah. Yep. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, like I said, I, uh, it didn't take, once I started riding, I mean, it took no time to understand that really, you know, and I mentioned in a past episode, you know, I always liked motorcycles and kind of was that interest, but, and I don't know why, for whatever reason, I, I, I didn't start early in life. And I think in part, cause I just mm-hmm. had the idea, if I rode a motorcycle, I probably would kill myself. You know, and then years right. go on, you mature, whatever, things shift and whatever. But, you know, Gina and I went to do that, uh, the, the basic rider course, you know, just to, you know, she had ridden before, but she wanted to brush up her skills. I'd never ridden. I threw a leg over a motorcycle. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm hooked. <laughs> you know, without. <laughs> right. I, well, I didn't even start the thing up. I just threw a leg over. I'm like, yeah, good. I'm in. Okay, fine. I get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. So I don't know, you know, is it whatever it's past life? I don't know, depending on what you do, I don't believe, or it's just, you know, it's in the DNA or something, but it was just really, so anyway, I get it. Like at that moment, like, okay, I get this motorcycle thing. So I know what you're talking about. I mean, I love what I do too, work-wise, you know, working in the IT industry, but you know, there's times I'm sitting at my desk writing a computer program going, damn, I I just want to be on the bike. I just want to be out riding. I just want to feel the breeze, you know, whatever, all that good stuff. Hear the exhaust, smell the gasoline, whatever. Right, right. Which I got to tell you, that was really cool too, was, uh, you know, being at these vintage races over the weekend and, uh, you know, having the motorcycles go by with racing fuel, man, that stuff smells good. I don't know. Oh, I, yeah. I, I know not everybody digs it, but it's like, is oh, yeah, there something does. about that? It's like, oh my God, that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A carbureted machine. Yep. There's yep. something like a carbureted machine. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's like perfume, man. It's like, oof. Yep. Yep. But yep. yeah. So um so kind of that the the attitude that you have towards life is that something kind of just inborn with you is it something you you know also picked up from you know friends family? Um I mean I I've always had motorcycle well so motorcycling did not come to my family naturally. It was one of those situations where it was frowned upon. People would say, "Oh, you know, that's what that's what outlaws do and blah 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 which is fine and i'm the black sheep of my family that's that's not a secret so um when i picked up biking motorcycling i was like in this new niche i met all these new people and i'm like wow i understand these people i don't i don't care where i come from i don't care where they come from we bring we come to the table we, we share we break bread and after our long ride and we all have these common brotherhood kind of uh, experiences and we can just share them. And uh, that's when I realized when motorcycling was like a pinnacle part of my life. Uh, my best friend uh, uh, and shout out to my best friend, Henry, uh, he bought his first motorcycle. He still owns it is FZ six. It's got like, a million miles on it now or whatever. And he's never owned anything else, but he's that kind of guy that like, it's all about going to the rawness of that's what, when it's, when you realize when you're really alive is when you put yourself at the risk of at the edge, 
Like mm-hmm. you don't really come, you don't really feel alive until you put yourself the edge and you're going to say, oh, that's kind of irresponsible thinking. But it's really not because you don't really know what it's like to be alive until you realize how close you are to danger. Not, you are. not being alive. Yeah. Right. And it's all comes down to that risk and acceptable risk. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I found my family when I started writing. So mm-hmm. I felt pretty marooned like a solo being and then when i started writing i've met these awesome individuals on the road or at meets or you know vin- you know vintage days or whatever and you just meet these phenomenal folks that and not just impact you but enrich you and i think that's what the motorcycling community is all about and that's where i thrive is knowing that i know these awesome people that make such an impact on my life Mm-hmm. And I also make an impact on their life because we are doing what we love every single chance we can get. Right. right. You know? And that's, that's my life, man. Like that's what I do every day. You know, I try to anyways. That, that's awesome. And, and, and well said. And, you know, it reminds me of, you know, in an upcoming episode, I'm going to talk about like, I think, um, right. Cause so what do we, I'm on episode 12 here with you, which is awesome. Right. And yeah. So it, you know, it's only been a little time coming and, you know, so I had this initial idea when I started and it's kind of evolving a little bit, especially, you know, the more people I talk to and the feedback I get and whatever. And so the point I'm getting to is, well, for sure, like the reason I started the podcast was, you know, I found this love of motorcycling and as a fairly new rider, I just want to help other people find it as well and get involved. And and I want to continue to do that. But mm-hmm. this is also opening up so many avenues and channels of meeting experienced writers, you know, people with all kinds of backgrounds of things, right? So there's kind of this broad audience of people that listen, you know, and I want to meet kind of everybody's needs. And so I realized that my my kind of purpose, my goal with this podcast is simply to just promote this activity, sport of motorcycling that we all love so much. And I think a great way to do it is, is by, and that's why I love doing these interviews. It's by like, uh, handling or you know dealing with or talking to finding out the human side of it mm-hmm. you know the the personalities and the stories and the histories and and all that kind of thing because i think in in that people who haven't ridden yet or maybe they're thinking about it will be something they connect can connect to you know it's like oh wow like that person mentioned such and such yeah you know i kind of think that same way so um that that's kind of what i'm realizing interests me about this the most is like the people side of motorcycling and the rest of it's awesome you know like the bikes are awesome and the technology is awesome and the news and what's happening, but that's being handled so well by so many other people and so many right. other podcasts and, and YouTube yeah. channels and whatever. So I don't want to just keep doing what's being done, you know? So it's like, I kind of like this, this side of it. So it's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's almost like a religious side to it, Chris. It is actually. And that's why, you know, I did that episode, you know, with the old man slacker and you know? motorcycle philosophy or whatever. I, I, I personally feel there's a spiritual side to it. And I, there- I think it's something people connect with. And I, I'm going to tell you, and honest into the viewers, is that I don't go to church every Sunday. My church is behind my handlebars. Mm-hmm. I get on my motorcycle, and that's my altar. Sure. That's how I find. That's how I plug in. I wouldn't say whatever it is because I'm not going to talk about denomination here. No, but sure. uh, I I never been so connected to the entirety of what is whatever you want to call it, you know, God or universe or whatever. Yeah. I find that in writing and it's only through writing that I really feel that. And, um, to get someone that 
is considering a motorcycle and then get on, then get them to get on a motorcycle and then find that same karma on yeah. the bike. Yeah. Oh my God. It makes my heart melt, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it, that's what it's really all about. Like, it's all about the connections. It's all about the relationships and the love we have of that passion we share. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it's almost, uh, Chris, I'm a motorcyclist through and through. Like I cannot, I could not exist without my motorcycle. Like, yeah. I don't think I'd be the same person. I I'd probably be a shell of something. Mm-hmm. I need it. I right. need it to be it's, who I am. <laughs> it's, your, it, it's your drug quote unquote. Yeah. You know, when I, you, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's interesting you mentioned that because, you know, even, you know, driving back from Jersey, uh, what was it, Saturday, what was today, Monday, Tuesday, Sunday, Sunday evening, um, yeah. you know, pounding slab is not my favorite thing to do. You know, like, you know, when I ride, I want to like, I want to have some nice twisty roads and, you know, scenic backcountry is kind of my thing. Yeah, ride to the beach, you know, love to ride through the mountains, although I don't do it that often. So pounding slab is not really my thing, but, you know, if you have to do it, you have to do it. Right. But the thing is that particularly not riding down there so much, but there was something about, and maybe it was having hung out with all those cool motorcycle people over the weekend. Riding back, it was kind of that. It was like, it was just interesting. It was like, I was just like in the zone and I was just enjoying everything you know it's like the sounds and you know i've got a naked bike right so i'm doing 70 75 miles an hour with the wind is just you know blasting against my body and it's not like no windshield nothing and it's like you know just feeling that and i don't know that's the smells once in a while which mostly were good (laughs) right it is just kind of um I don't know if maybe religious is not the way to put it, but it's a spirit. It's a spiritual experience. I think it's just like connects you with things like you're so connected with the environment or with the world. And, you know, even with other people, maybe not so much if they're cutting you off or whatever. Right, right, right. Even, and it was interesting too. It just, I felt like in the zone, like I had no problems with cars and it was pretty, you know, it was Memorial day weekend. So it was decent amount of traffic, but there was like no issues. I was just like, I'm going here and no one was cutting me off. It was all just kind of, I don't know, peaceful somehow if that makes any sense yeah you found your zen i guess yeah yeah exactly good way to put it yep yeah cool so uh so it's getting it's getting like on an hour so probably a good good place to wrap up but um but before we do i just uh want to ask you because i know you had mentioned we were chatting earlier um you have kind of a new i guess a new rider you're gonna kind of take under your wing so tell me about that a little so yeah so um, part of my objective with Jed's Moto is to try to get folks that never have ridden onto motorcycles. Uh, this year I sold my DT125 to a new motorcyclist, which was super awesome. He's like, I've cool. never ridden before. I'm like, you'll love it, man. You'll love it. And, you know, he got it and his buddy was there who wrote rides as well. And I'm like, D-, you know, told him what to look for for the bike and everything. And he was on his good way. And I have another uh, kid that works for me, and um, he's going to come over, and I'm going to start doing uh, – I'll bring him over to a local parking lot. I have a school right down the road, and uh, we're going to do some simple maneuvers. We're going to learn about uh, you know, the clutch um, – you know, you know, how to use the clutch mm-hmm. and um, just figure out how to do slow-speed maneuvers. And I'll have him do emergency braking and get him comfortable. I have a Suzuki TU250X. The reason I have it, well, I love riding it, but also to get people on board. So if they're interested, be like, oh, yeah, come on over and take my 250 out. Cool. You know, it's the same exact motorcycle you're going to have at the MSF. MSF, yep. 
So um, we're going to go and we do some calisthenics, basically, and uh, just get him in the position where he feels comfortable on the machine and then uh, hopefully get him into, uh, you know, an MSF course. The state has those for pretty cheap and then get him endorsed and get him on a bike. That's my goal for the summer. So, yeah, he's a good kid. He works for me and he does a really good job. Good attitude. I think once he gets into motorcycling, it's going to expand his mind in a new way similar to how we just had that conversation thinking about things in a different light sure awesome awesome yeah maybe we uh we should start a new campaign like you know for form a make make a new rider this summer kind of thing (laughs) yeah right every 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 motorcyclist you know make a new rider right (laughs) right 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 it's it's like the harley initiative but we'll actually have cool bikes to ride there you go No offense to the Harley listeners. But. No, no offense to the Harley listeners. <laughs> no, but yeah, cool, cool. So, um, any uh, so other than you know what we've kind of mentioned already, any other advice that you would have for beginners? You know, people starting out. You know, whatever. Either lessons learned for you as you were starting to ride, or recommendations for buying a first bike or anything like that. I think that my biggest thing with a beginner rider is go ride a motorcycle and. Feel it. Tell them, you know, be honest with yourself and know, does this going to bring happiness to me? If it brings happiness to you, it's something to pursue. Um, And if you're a beginning bike rider um, and you're like, okay, I'm really interested. I like it. Don't get something too small. Get something that you know that you're going to ride that's going to be practical. Uh, I've known a lot of folks that got on 250s or 400s and they've regretted it and ended up spending more money to get the 600. Uh, Depending on your area just decide on what kind of size bike you want to get, but really figure out if it's an acceptable risk for you. Because I mean, riding a motorcycle is nothing is, is a risk. Sure. You know, it's a game of risk mm-hmm. and what is acceptable and what is unacceptable. But you know, if it, 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 to me, it's worth the risk. I think to you, it's worth the risk. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I think it's, if you're a beginning rider, if it's that accept, if you accept the acceptable risk, Get a, on a machine that's going to make you feel comfortable. You can grow into, uh, you know, that's the thing. I think 600s, four-cylinder 600s, like an FZ6 is a great first bike. Mm-hmm. You know, mid-range bike, nothing too powerful, but a powerful enough where you get to the point where you're comfortable with it. It's going to do everything you need it to do. Right. So, yeah, that that's my recommendation. And no, practice, great. practice, 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 practice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, That that's one thing that's really... Um sunk in with me and you know in part just you know following what fast that is doing with moto jitsu because that's yeah. kind of one of his big things right shut up and practice but but for sure like i was even thinking about that like you know riding home from from southern right. jersey i'm you know I'm on the interstate going all right so if such and such happened what would i do and would i be prepared and so absolutely the, the more you practice the more you know how your bike behaves and you know mock up certain situations and okay maybe it won't be the same or as serious as something mm-hmm. you face in an emergency, at least you're that much better prepared and right. you kind of have a little bit of muscle memory, memory and some kind of, you know, automatic response and you're much less likely to panic or something like that. Yep. Um, and to your point too about the risk, you know, it's the point that I've made also is that there obviously is risk associated, but that's true of pretty much anything you do in life. And so people just need to educate themselves, yep. and, you know, understand what the risk is and decide, you know, try it out and see, you know, do you get enough enjoyment out of it that, 
that is worth whatever the risk is associated and educate yourself and do what you can to reduce the risk and then go out and ride and have fun. (laughs) Right. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and I think the good thing too is, you know, I wouldn't say just shut up and practice, but talk about it and practice. And if you have, if you do practice and you have questions, I think the best thing to do is reach out to experienced motorcyclists and ask how I can improve my, my skills. It, it humble yourself knowing that you're not a perfect, you're not perfect and ask for help. Yeah. That, and that, talk that's about it. That is a really good point. And, and, and also that idea of, you know, finding people that know more than you do, whether, whether it's, the technical side, the mechanics of motorcycles, or they're just better riders. You know, just in general, if you want to grow in life, it's like find people who know more than you do or are better at something than you are. That's kind right. of how you, you know, you have the opportunity to observe and learn or whatever. So good point. I agree with that. Like, you know, I, I, I believe in that saying, and I, I don't know where it comes from, that there are no, <clears throat> there are no stupid questions, just stupid people. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think but, it, but I never say it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah but, 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 but seriously, I mean, you know, joking aside, like, yeah, it's like people should, should be comfortable enough. And even if they're not comfortable, just push yourself, ask the questions because it's much better. Even if you know, you may feel silly or whatever, just ask the question and get the information and, and, you know, don't be, don't, don't go around in ignorance of what you're doing, not understanding something because, because really that's where the problems come. Right. It's like someone doesn't understand the principles of how a motorcycle operates or, you know, how you how you steer it or whatever. And, and that's when you kind of get into difficulties or worse. You have you carry too much arrogance into it. Right. Right. Like, you know, you know, everything kind of thing. Right. Yeah. A little actually, that's a good point, too. A little humility can uh, save some skin, I think. <laughs> humility will save your life sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. All right. Awesome, man. So uh, if people want to reach you, what's what's the best way? So uh, you can go to www.jedsmoto.com or you can email me at jeds at jedsmoto.com. That's probably the best way to reach me. Okay. Awesome. Cool. And uh, if, if new riders are looking to get started, maybe you can hook them up with a bike, huh? Yes, sir. I mean, All I'm right. always flipping and dealing and wheeling. So if you are interested in a bike or have an idea what you're looking for, let me know. And I can usually find something for cheap and it may not be running, but I'll make it sure it's road legal by the time you get it. So reach out. All right. So everyone avail yourselves to that. I think that's really cool. So Justin, man, this has been a blast. I'm really, I'm glad we did this. Me too, Chris. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll definitely do it again sometime if you want. Oh, definitely. Kind of a follow-up. Actually, maybe, uh, I, de- I don't. I don't know. I, I got to figure out schedules on how to work it out. But I definitely want to come up and visit you and, and do some riding. So maybe we'll do. Maybe I'll do a podcast in the field kind of thing. Chris, know. my house is always open to you, my friend. I appreciate it. Awesome, awesome. All right, my friend. All right, dude. So any uh, any parting words before we end off? Just keep it shiny side up and ride safe. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, man. Good night. Good night. All right, so I want to give a big thank you to Justin for being on the show. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I've now got stickers that I'm giving out to help me promote the podcast. I may start charging for them in the future, uh, but I'm not right now. So if you would like a sticker to display on on whatever, on your car, your motorcycle, your your luggage, your suitcase, whatever it happens to be, just uh, send me an email with your mailing address and, and contact information, and I'll send one out to you. Um, also looking at ways that listeners can you know, help support 
the podcast and help defray the the operating costs. It's something a lot of you know podcasts do is they you know just ask listeners who are interested to to make donations just to to help you know support the show and and uh, just to help cover some costs and things. So if you do write in, uh, let me know like if you're interested in doing something like that, and it's you know it's entirely voluntary. I mean, this is a podcast I'm making available free of charge. I don't, I don't I'm not expecting to make any money out of this. I'm doing it just because I love it. Uh, but you know, there, there are expenses that are involved. So if you are interested in helping out, let me know, like what kind of would be your preferred way? Like, would do you like to support the show by purchasing stickers and t-shirts and things of that sort? Uh, would you like to just make one-time donations via PayPal? Or would you be interested in doing like either one time or per episode or monthly donations via a service like Patreon? So just just let me know. And again, like I said, this is just purely voluntary. Just looking to see what people might or might not be interested in doing, you know, just to, to help support the show. And if you do, if you're ready and you would like to make a one time donation, you can just uh, make a donation via PayPal. So you can either go to paypal.me slash Christopher Geis. Or you can just click the donate link on my website. There's a new link that I added there, you know, and you can just get to the website easily from uh, from the, the, the show notes. Uh, or you can or just go to the website, www.soyouwantaridemotorcycle.com. Yeah, so that'd be awesome. So just, just let me know if you'd be interested in, in doing any of those things. And of course, you can always contact me by email at soyouwantaride at yahoo.com. And please like and leave me comments and a rating on your favorite podcast service. That'll help other people find my podcast. You know, it's pretty much available on all the major platforms. Please like and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for So You Want to Ride. And again, the, all the links to my social media are on my website. And please help spread the word and help me continue to build my online community. And as always, thank you for listening. And just remember, whatever you do, it's always time to ride. Thank <laughs> you.